monstrous. Vaporization without representations against the Doctor Who podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 18 of the Doctor Who podcast. In this episode, we bring you an interview recorded with the new series writer Rob Shearman, author of Dalek, and with Big Finish actor, comedian and writer Charlie Ross. So, what are you waiting for? Come on in! and welcome to episode 18 of the Doctor Who podcast. A few weeks ago, I was invited along to the Fab Cafe at Manchester, where the Fans Like Us group were holding their third mini-convention, Who at the Fab Cafe. There's a galaxy of stars present, and in this episode, we bring you interviews with two of them, starting with Rob Shearman, award-winning writer of Dalek, and several outstanding Big Finish audios. So I'm here at the Who at the Fab Cafe with the quite fantastic Mr. Rob Shearman. I, I, I am fantastic. Well, actually, no, but, well, I'm not actually, but I am, I am Rob Shearman. That, oh, that, that is indisputable. Hello there. Hello. Hi. Hello. Um, so we're doing recording for the Doctor, the Doctor Who podcast this afternoon. Right. Rob, I've got to, I've got to ask you. I think some of the stories that you've, that you've written have been very much drawing on some of the old influences of Doctor Who. Yes. But I've got to ask, is Doctor, do you think Doctor Who is a kids' show? Yeah, fundamentally. I mean, I think about kids shows though is that the really good stuff for children is for everybody. I get really quite sick of the idea, I mean, there, there, there's some terrible things on TV for children, there's this awful um, Scandinavian thing is it? Where, it? where, where somebody is, yeah um, oh, the, cartoon, the, well, the, the people are essentially cartoons that thing? Um, yeah that's right, well sort of puppets with, with live action and it's all about keeping fit and there's a character called Sporticus yes. and god yeah, that's yeah. awful In what way? So, oh it's just Ghastly! It's so badly written and performed, and and they have these terrible songs, and a girl with pink hair who's fitness obsessed, and that's dreadful. I mean, I think any adult who watches that would probably have their eyes burnt out. But <laughs> but, but, but with Doctor Who, I mean, I, I don't think everyone thinks of it as a kids' show because, in the same way that, the really really good things which are intended for children to enjoy are for everybody, and I think that, you know, rather like Harry Potter, works for people of any age to read because it's actually good so and say start it's, materials and it's written it's not for children but it can be enjoyed the by idea well, 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 when you go into a meeting with Doctor Who mm. you're always reminded and you you know actually verbally they will say to you remember that we are pitching this at intelligent eight-year-olds okay and anything which won't appeal to an intelligent eight-year-old is probably wrong for Doctor Who so so fundamentally yes it is for children okay. but if it was only for children, I think it wouldn't be very good. And, and I think Doctor Who's great strength is that it isn't about... I mean, most of the things which it's done over the last few years... I remember when I first saw Satan Pit, and I thought, oh. I would never have felt that that could have been something that an eight-year-old, in some ways, even ought to be watching. And it's, I, it's very frightening. Yeah, and, 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 we, and I found that doing Dalek years ago. I mean, I mean, I remember that early on I was saying to Russell, 
you know, can we kill people? And he said, oh, yeah, 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 kill them. Oh. You know, and indeed, so I, I did a sequence where, you know, the Dalek with a sink plunger takes someone's face off. Yeah, it's, it's quite graphic. And it's it's and nice to see it being, being used in a way where it's actually dangerous. What, what was yeah. it before, before? But Russell said to me, I, I, went, I went too far on one draft, you know, and I had the, the Dalek suck off its entire face and then swing it around and throw it against the wall. And, and the, yeah, and the, and the man came down with just a skull and hit, Russell said, yeah, see, that's going too far. Okay. Said, you know, and, 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 and there is that sort of way in which I think that writing for for an audience which can consist of eight-year-olds and above. Yeah. It's a matter of just editing out swear words, really. Okay. So I was, I was <laughs> going to ask, I mean, look, so it's fair to say that eight-year-old, or is it fair to say that an eight-year-old in, say, 1977, 78, and perhaps you're watching the show, yeah. is not the same as an eight-year-old now? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was watching Beast Below, oh. um, and Stephen has, I'm, I'm the bloody Queen of England. <laughs> and they couldn't have said bloody... On a children's show in 1978, and hell, I think that shut up in uh, the 11th hour as well. Yeah, that's right. Um, and those sort of things actually would, I think, have been. Right. And yet, actually, you could, you could have had things back in during the towns of Wen Chiang, oh. where actually you can say they would never have allowed now scenes of, frankly, such obvious racism, oh. because it is. Well, it's, the policeman talking about the Chinese people and the way that absolutely, and the way the Chinese people are actually represented. And you think also, yeah, that's not really what you actually want to. I mean, and I think you get away with that now on, a, on an adult series because people would say that there's an irony to it. Hmm. But but that almost becomes for a children's series. I think that you have to accept that the irony might go above kids' heads, and what, and what they'll see hmm. is saying, well, let's say that all the Chinese are basically in this story. Um, Evil uh, hench people of Magnus Greel might possibly look like a bad thing. So, so I think I think things do change. I think that what's acceptable changes quite a lot. And, and I think that we wouldn't have got away on Doctor Who with some of the things that we do now. I, I don't think that I can't see Jonathan Turner allowing stories like Blink. No, I mean actually. The, but then we know. have the thing with. If we're talking specifically about Stephen Moffat, one yeah. of the lovely things he does is he to take something quite innocuous oh, yeah, and yeah, make yeah. it terribly well, frightening. Stephen's got two kids who I know, because I've been to Stephen's house quite a few times, and, and I see him play with his kids. And, of course, what he feeds off is all their fears. He fears off those childhood games, things like Grandmother's Footsteps, which is what he uses in in, 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 in Blink totally. Um, but also, in Girl in the Fireplace, you've got that idea about... Um, the monster Riggy is hiding under your bed and that's the knowledge of knowing what scares children and actually they are generally very very you know easy things which which adults wouldn't find frightening at all now Empty Child has those things about um, you know the the I'm coming to get you which is like hide and seek He's turning hide and seek into a really scary idea. I've got to ask, you, you were a fan for a very long, for a very oh, long yeah, time. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I was since a kid. But you have this wonderful history of working with such as Alan Akeborn and working on these wonderful... Oh, um, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, how has that informed your writing for Doctor Who? Has it informed it in any way, so? I, I hope so. Um, I think that, that you become almost like a sort of... a catalogue of all the things that... That you actually you actually watch and enjoy, and and also what you write. I mean, I mean, I'm really a comedy writer mostly, oh. and I would write quite weird domestic comedies about. But also because Alan Aitborn loves things about mucking about with uh, time. Oh. So Stephen Moffat and I became friends about ten years ago because we found that we both had an interest in mucking about with time narratives. Oh. And of course, that's Pikers of Doctor Who. I mean, I remember watching Mordred Undead, oh, which of course, which I adore. And episode two of that is like an Alan Aitborn play. It's about time travel things and about telling that story in, in, in that way. And so, as a result, I was automatically always drawn to the things in Doctor Who that 
I found elsewhere within, I don't know, novels that I would read or um, mm. stage plays. And, and so I would, it's an odd thing. I mean, I, so when I began writing stage plays, yeah. I, would, I would suddenly find myself writing things which I could see were influenced by my love of Peter Davison's Doctor Who. Was there an epiphany moment for you? Were you, were you sat at the, the theatre one day and thought, I've got to do this, or did you read a, read a manuscript and thought, this is what I want to do? What, find, what No, uh, in part with me, it was because I had a very, very bad stammer when I was a kid. And okay. I still have a stammer now, but it's just not very obvious anymore. Mm. And I wanted to be an actor to try and get rid of my stammer. Okay. I, was, I was an awful actor. I was really, really quite dreadfully poor. Okay. And I was told by the National Youth Theatre, frankly, just sod off. But 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 uh, but what they also said at the time was, you know, I mean, but you obviously love the theatre, so go to the other side of it. And I began writing for theatre and then directing for theatre because that's how, you know, and, and just storytelling really began to appeal to me. Okay. And so, yeah, I mean, and Doctor Who, I think when I was a kid in some ways excited me because every week it seemed different. You know, I, I, I was watching Castro Valva and then Fort of Doomsday and then Ooh, Kinder and, yeah, yeah. and every single time it was it was unpredictable what sort of story you'd ever get next and I think most television now mm. is all about replicating week after week yeah, yeah, yeah. the same sort of, if you watch Casualty or write for Casualty people will say to you that, that well, yeah. well yeah but they want the audience really to know what they're getting every week I mean Doctor Who is the opposite exactly. what actually happens is they say things like let's try and mix the styles a bit and no mm. other television show really does that I've got to ask them because I think we're coming towards what, what, who are your heroes well, I want to ask two things number one who was your doctor do you think having right. written for one consumed one if you like um, but also okay. who are your heroes um, oh god in terms of the doctors um, Davison was the time I was rigging up in the show I mean, I mean I was 12 to 14 years old at the time it's a good time to be into Doctor Who yeah it was great and <laughs> and so Davison I've got the most affection for but I think Troughton is my favourite Doctor because I just think Patrick Troughton is extraordinary actor and I, and phenomenal I, and yeah. but I actually like all of them but those are the two which really push my buttons mm. in terms of heroes um, I really admire many many writers I mean Tom Stoppard uh, is, again another, another, someone else who's very good with strong characters and time yeah that's <laughs> right I, I, I really like tricksy writers okay whether they be novelists I mean people like Julian Barnes is a big hero of mine who's, who's a novelist that I really love and, okay. and he's terribly clever and um, yeah but Stoppard and Eightborn and yeah um just writers that I'd actually like to be half as good as one well, day. I, I, I don't think anyone would argue that, some, that your, your work with Big Finish and Doctor Who has been particularly good. Oh, thank you very much. Well, it, I think it's, it's a given. Do you, I listened to Jubilee actually quite late. I think mean, right. about two or three years ago. That's a nasty story. It's Jubilee. a phenomenally violent piece It's of really, work. really unpleasant. Yeah, I was at the time I was writing for a show called Born and Bred. Okay. And they gave me a couple of weeks off. <laughs> and Born and Bred is a really, really, well, was a really annoyingly for me bland show. It's a, it's a show in which you're in a village in the 1950s, every single character in there is nice. Okay. And Jubilee, I had about a couple of weeks <laughs> off, I just wrote this, this sort of reaction against it. I wrote a story in which basically you would cut off the limbs of dwarfs to put them in Dalek casings and things. And, 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 and it was part, yeah, it was maybe a bit too harsh. I don't know. Um, <laughs> it's really nasty, Jubilee. It, it, it's a sort of angry comedy because it's about, mm. yeah, it, it's about the way in which I could see that it's a little animal farm, perhaps. You know, where the yeah, monsters become. Yeah, I suppose. Oh. I, I was alarmed with the fact at the time it, that it was being done. You could see suddenly there were Dalek Kit Kat ads, and uh. but also there were people who were now forgetting what Daleks represented. 
And okay, that's an and, interesting point. Do you think there's a danger of people forgetting things? That, the Second World War, for instance, was, was a tremendous, a traumatic memory. A, a, absolutely. And um, back in the nineties, I, I was writing some of my early stage plays. Yeah. Were written at a time when there was an awful lot of resurgence of the idea that um, the Holocaust was not true. Yeah. And I, I, most of my early work was in some ways written in the anger of people just beginning just to say, enough time has now passed, no, let's just, let's just, you know, push it on side. And, 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 that's, and, and I think that, although you know, not to sound pretentious, I think that Jubilee was an attempt to be doing one of those things I'd done earlier on hmm. and saying, well, darks represent Nazis. Hmm. And Nazis are beginning to look to me in modern culture like safe villains, like Indiana Jones villains. Yeah, I and, and I thought, okay, well, I'm going to do that. And, and, and of course, that's what I did. I, I opened Jubilee with a trailer mm. for a movie which treated the dykes just like they were just a bit of fun, mm. which is what Nazis often are. Okay, no, and, and I thought, it's easy. I mean, you know, 2003 Jubilee came out, which mm. was, well, it's about 60 years since the First World War at that point. First World War. The Second World War. Yeah, 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 yeah. sorry, yeah. Um, 58 years for the since the end of it but it, it's that thing where you just think the kids now growing up and seeing Daleks only being used at that because Doctor Who of course was dead at that time and yeah, yeah, yeah. and I just thought it, it, it's frustrating me that they just become these that these that the what was for Terry Nation when he got the Dykes was a very very fresh memory of what their people had mm. been through in the Second World War has become now a bit of a joke and I want right. to write about that so Jubilee is it's an angry thing Jubilee I'm fond of Jubilee. It's a bit over the top, perhaps. But it, it, well, and, and I don't know that the ending makes any sense at all. But but uh, but, but <laughs> a legless but, Colin Baker. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not for that side with him. Well, that's <laughs> well, actually the legless Colin Baker makes a lot of sense because, of course, he, he's always drunk. <laughs> uh, Colin Baker. The first, uh, I don't think, later, I've, I've never seen Colin Baker sober, and, and, <laughs> and, and it's a very very extraordinary thing. In fact, I, I gather. He's never actually been sober. Wow. I, I, I think he was born drunk. That might explain a couple of obvious things about his yeah, costume, which we're not going to go into right now. No, I'm not, I mean, no, the joke about that really was because I wanted to play off the idea that people might think it was Davros. <laughs> and I just thought, no, it's actually it's a doctor without any legs. Wow. It seemed like a good gag to me at the time. But it also just fitted in with the whole violence of the story. It's a very violent story. It is, it is. But again, I, I'm, I'm kind of with Stephen Muffet on this. I think children want to be scared. They, they recognise violence it, within the confines oh, of the story. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, and, and there's, some, there's nothing more. Dis- disturbing, for example, than in things like Rise of the Cybermen and Age of Steel. Oh. Those images of the of the homeless being sliced and diced. It's interesting. Is... It's not a social. Com- there's not a social commentary there. Do you think people are too quick to forget something? You know, we talked about um, things being softened by distance of, by distance of time. But well, perhaps it wasn't so bad. It was only sixty years ago. Yeah, perhaps. I mean, I, mm. I, I think that Doctor Who is now old enough, mm. which is what I mean. You know, we're, we're coming up to year fifty. I'm so excited. Are you excited about that? Yeah, you bet. Yeah, of course. <laughs> and we'll, we'll probably have the, the 13, 14 Doctors of that today. Well, well, actually, no, probably not quite as many as that. Perhaps they'll bring back Cushing. Perhaps is they'll, they'll actually... Cushing this? No, no, he's, he's dead. Oh. But maybe they'll bring him back anyway. Well, the way things are going... if you <laughs> Maybe they will resurrect him. <laughs> but, well, and Hartnell and Trout and Ampery. I mean, oh, and, and, and probably by that stage, all of them. Because, you know, they, there'll be some sort of big car crash. <laughs> and, take, and, and we'll take out all the doctors and then resurrect them. I do believe I can actually see your imagination taking flight. <laughs> I'm, I'm working it out now. I'm, I'm just saying, you know, how, how wonderful would it be if we could bring them all back from the dead and do a big anniversary special? Um, that would be that would be every Doctor Who fan's slightly 
slightly depraved dream. It'd be brilliant. Yeah. I think one thing I have to do, I have to let you eat because you're going to be. Oh, yes, that's right. I've got a spag bowl. But I have to ask two questions if that's okay. Yeah, go go ahead. That's fine. Which existing story would you swap for one which is partially lost? It's a favourite question. Oh, I would. I can't touch a new series because it doesn't seem fair. Because oh no, okay. Well, let's say which existing classic series story. Okay, yeah. I mean, also because I think you know. I mean, if I if I could swap, I mean, I would actually would swap Dalek, for example, for for Power of the Tigers because actually I did. Oh. And yet I I can't really because it also would be throwing away my only uh, script I've done. So um, I I would probably well, lose. I would get rid of rid of the King's Demons. Okay, all which, right. I, which I think is arse, actually. It's not the strongest story that season. It has no, <laughs> there's no point to it. The what? robot doesn't come back except to be written. It's a pointless story. It's only two episodes, so, so let's lose the King's Demons <laughs> for the Myth Makers. Now that's interesting. The I myth love makers. the Myth Myth Makers is, I think, an amazing story. It's got a very brilliant joke in there. It's got great jokes in it. Yeah. It's, it's, I think I think it's one of the one of the funniest two scripts ever written and because it doesn't exist in the archives even for more than I think a few camera shots um, no one remembers it but it's an amazing script let me see if I can Donald Cotton Donald Cotton and Vicky vanishes is kidnapped and then uh, returns the episode title was Straw Prophet Could Return that's right yeah yeah (laughs) which of course Toby Haydoke mentions in in it's a wonderful wonderful story I mean that or Power of the Daleks which I just love because I think it's just so clever why are you so sad on your own story though you you give away Dark it's one of of the defining moments of the first series yeah well thank you but but Power of the Daleks is better (laughs) and and, and frankly I ripped off Power of the Daleks after Dyke went out, I had a phone call from Annika Wills, who, who got my phone number. She was at a convention at the time, got my phone number from a friend. And she phone said, hello, darling, it's Annika Wills saying... And I said, oh, my God, it's Polly. I've never spoken to her in my life before. And she said, um, I want to say welcome to the family, which is very sweet. And I said to her, you do realise, though, that I ripped off your story to oh. make mine. And, I, you know, Mark Gaddis did this last week. I was going to say, what did you make of Victory of the Daleks? Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, Mark and I just steal from the same story. It's great. I mean, we, we both have Power of the Daleks. Cool. So, I mean, it is, it is the best Dalek story, Power of the Daleks. It's, it's like, so good. It's sinister. It's, like, it's so funny and so... It's so nastily funny. It's, 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 it's really really important as well. Clever. If Patrick Trapton had not stood up and just taken control of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The way yeah. he did it those days. I mean, there's that, that wonderful thing with him and Polly doing lessons and listen, lessons and listen, lessons and listen. And there's a lovely companion yes. going on there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ben being the audience. Like, who is this geezer? What Absolutely. Is it's so cleverly done. I think power is, power is genuinely... A stroke of genius on the show. I, I really, I, I love that story. It is, it is criminal that that exists in the chase. <laughs> Sorry, the other way around. Exactly. Yeah. So, well, the chase. Chase is funny, but let's face it. Let's have power rather than the chase. In fact, actually, let's have power rather than everything else. Oh, I adore the war games. <laughs> but, but I can't lose a single Troutman story, actually. No, well, no, no, we can't, we, can't, we can't take any of those away. Maybe. The nominators. Maybe. But, we'll Maybe. <laughs> but that's out <laughs> soon, so we'll see, we'll see how we can. One final question for you as a okay, yeah. fan. Type 40 TARDIS, one trip, one way. Where are you going? What, 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 only one way I can't, I can't one come way. back that's a bit harsh I think there you go um, I'd go home <laughs> well I mean I'm, I, I'm here in Manchester where's home? London okay, oh, okay. And, that's where, and that's where all my stuff is fair play <laughs> it's a quick, just a quick journey <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. alright let's say you yeah. can come back let's say you can go back oh in that case um, 
problem, the problem is, I mean, I, I, I really love history. But it means I know everything, everything historical is really, really problematic because... I, I'd, I'd have to be back in the 1920s, but okay. not be in the 1930s very much when it when it gets really really full of depression. Okay. But you know, but there's, there's sort of a, a whole jazz age of of, of America. Okay. 20s would be quite good fun. That could be that could be interesting. As yeah, long as I was wealthy <laughs> and and yeah. indeed healthy, actually. Well, that, that's the thing. I mean, it, it's it's interesting that well, uh, one of the things that some of the listeners know I do is I'm a blues musician. So one dressed oh, like right. a, okay, yes, dressed like this today. So Terribly smart. Oh, thank you very much. You're smarter than I am. Well, you're a writer, you're a creative. You're allowed to do these sort of things. Thank, thank, thank you very much. Uh, but it's interesting because I play this blues music. There seems to be uh, a resurgence in the appreciation for it because the environment is one of yeah. depression. There's joblessness. Yeah. Perhaps the national mood is that way. Um, I said one final question. I should let you eat. But do we, do we have more of a need for heroes in these days? And is the doctor the right man for us? I think he is, and I think actually, I think that's, what, that's why the show caught on. I, I think in some ways, when the show fell out, fell, fell out of um, favour, a time of abundance. Yeah, and I suspect that he just didn't quite seem to quite fit in. And I think nowadays people really, I think, I think we all need need the doctor. Mm. I do. Perfect. Listen, what, Rob, what can I say? Thanks for taking the time to talk to us. Thank you very much, Tyler. That's great. Thank and you. Uh, well, what can we say? We're a lucky bunch of people. Also present on the day was actor, writer and comedian Charlie Ross. Now Charlie was comparing and interviewing on the day, but he found time to talk to us about acting and his role in the latest big Finnish audio, City of Spires, alongside Doctor Who veterans Colin Baker and Fraser Hines. Right, so we're still here at the Fans Like Us at the Fab Cafe event. With some wonderful guests, lovely atmosphere here. And I'm talking to one of our lovely compares. Would you like to introduce yourself, sir? Yeah, I'm Charlie Ross, uh, the compere of the Fab Cafe. I've done a bit of interviewing as well, so that's me. Fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> what, what are you enjoying so far about today? What's the most, what's the, what have you enjoyed most so far? Well, it's good. They're always great fun. I mean, this is a small, intimate event. Some of the oh. conventions I've done are pretty big, big, full on events. Um, this is only 60, 70 people. Um, it's in a small bar, uh, just to describe it. It's a you know, very cool, funky bar with a, a, a Science fiction theme, um, yeah, and it's great. And it's uh, you know, the, so far I've interviewed Rob Shearman and I've interviewed uh, um, Alan Rusko, ah. and uh, yeah, and both have contributed, made a great contribution to Doctor Who so far on the new series, and uh, it's it's gone well. Yeah, I mean, but you know, the, the nice thing about interviewing people like that is these guys just chat; they can just talk and talk and talk. So you don't need to say much. Well, you yourself have made a contribution to Doctor Who through Big Finish quite recently. Yeah, yeah. Well, but, well, over a few years, but my third appearance, uh, I was in a. Paul McGann's story called Memory Lane in uh, 2005 uh-huh. and uh, then was in a, a spin-off series called Gallifrey where I played a Time Lord uh-huh. and uh, recently the current Big Finish release City of Spires which is the first of three where the sixth Doctor played by Colin Baker is uh, reintroduced to Jamie McCrimmon from, uh, from the second Doctor's era played by Fraser Hines and I play Rob Roy McGregor. Uh, That's brilliant. Yeah, Nick, Nick called me up and said, you know, this is, uh, who do we know that's Scottish that could maybe <laughs> play Rob Roy? Um, and uh, he says I was the first choice. Maybe, I don't know, maybe James McAvoy turned it down. Um, no, I don't mind, I'll take his cast-offs. <laughs> but you, you seem to do a lot in stand-up comedy as well. Yeah, yeah, I'm stand-up and an actor as well. And, uh, um, and uh, you know, it's a nice balance. I mean, that's how I get into this whole world, by doing some stand-up at a Doctor Who convention, doing the cabaret. Uh-huh. Uh, someone asked me to come and do cabaret and um, and it kind of took off from there and that led to doing some big finish work and some other stuff and it's uh, it's all panning out quite nicely which is ironic because I've been a lifelong fan Who is your doctor? Uh, Tom Baker, I am that era uh, okay. I'm, not, I'm not just saying that because it's Tom Baker he was my, my I have very very early memories of my, my, my earliest memory God I must have been very young uh, was the Sea Devils um, wow, okay. John Pertwee and I love John Pertwee um, 
and Tom Baker was the, the kind of one that bedded it in for me. I, I kind of like them all, you know. It's um, uh, I think most fans will say they have an affection of some kind. Yeah. Uh, but now I suppose I have to say that maybe Colin Baker's my doctor because I'm I'm in one of his stories on Big, on Big Finish, <laughs> so maybe he's my doctor. <laughs> So I should ask that, how do you go from consuming Doctor Who as a fan as to actually contributing to it? I mean, do you find it hard to pin- do you have to pinch yourself sometimes? Think, oh yeah, it's weird. It's very weird. <laughs> I, I come back. The, the current one is one of a trilogy, and the third one I'm, I come back into it, uh, and that's called Legend of the Cybermen. So I get Ooh, to okay. work with Cybermen, you know, which was wow. fantastic, and uh, I get to kill a Cyberman, which is good. That's um, hard work. Yeah, is, it's if, great. If, if, do you have a gold badge to do that with? Uh, no, no, no. It's uh, much more old-fashioned way, but I'll not reveal it. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's, it's uh, that's fantastic when you're working with icons. That's great. And Colin and Fraser and Wendy Padbury's in it playing Zoe as well. Wow. And they are Doctor Who icons. Um, and that's that's pretty freaky, you know. So you're literally. I mean, when I did Gallifrey, for example, the, when, when you do the audio recording, you're, you're in a booth. There's about five booths around you. And I looked across at one scene I was in. And this was one, one scene I was in where me and the other four booths were, were um, uh, filled with John Leeson playing K9, <laughs> Louise Jameson playing Leela, oh, Lala Ward playing Romana, and Linda Bellingham playing the Inquisitor. Brilliant. And I'm like, and I'm the only other one here. <laughs> you know, this is just crazy. Um, but it's wonderful crazy. And it's, it's great fun. And I love doing it. Uh, and, and you know, it's one of the. There are a few big bonuses to to uh, audio acting that you don't have to learn any lines, which is great. You know, just get your little podium and you put this, this your script up there and you just follow the script. And um, you don't have to get into costume. There's no makeup. There's nothing like that. And there's a really good laugh. Uh, and everyone's. I mean, big finish. As seems to be the case with all forms of Doctor Who, there is this family feel. Mm. Um, even down to the people who do the catering for lunch and stuff, you know, that everyone's a great atmosphere and everyone sits in the green room and has a right good laugh and it's, it's just good fun. This might be a loaded question, in fact, two loaded questions. Number one, what are you making of season five so far? Uh, gosh, I don't know whether, whether I should pin my, <laughs> my opinions to the wall. Um, it's been good. It got off to a great start. 11th yeah. hour was fantastic. Uh, East Below was enjoyable. Mm-hmm. I, didn't really enjoy the Dalek story, um, but I'm not alone in that. Um, and yeah. I thought that the last two were right back on form again. Uh, oh, yeah, so, yeah, um, there are a few points where I've, I felt, you know, my concern about Smith's age is, is maybe punched through, but he does look a little bit young. But he's great. I mean, he, he's, he come, p- yeah. he's putting on the weight of, as an actor. Yeah, say. yeah, that's right. And I think he'll get better and better. And it's, it's only he's got off to a great start, so it can, o- can only get better. So as he becomes more comfortable with it and finds his own uh, characterisation. Um, and in a sense, I suppose going younger was a bit left field. I think everyone expected him to go a little bit older again. Um, so it kind of caught us all, it's caught us all by surprise. And maybe do- that's what Doctor Who should do. Can I ask you about, about, about your approach to acting? Where, where, where in yourself do you look when it's time to create a character? Well, first of all, I mean, for Rob Roy, it was, it was interesting for me because I had to think of a voice, first of all. Because he does, he's, not, he's not from Glasgow. So <laughs> I, uh, I had to give him a, a slightly more Highland accent so he talks a bit more like that. Okay. And obviously, uh, Rob Roy was... I'm quite slightly, I'm thin, I'm a skinny guy, but Rob Roy was a big, muscly guy. And uh, well, you think Liam Neeson, who played him in the film. So, and that's not me. So, you know, you have to try and give that impression that that's who this guy is. Um, So, you know, it's trying to think about what the right mental images you're giving the listener when you're doing that. Acting on stage, characterization, I I did a play recently where I played the President of the United States uh, in a sort of dark comedy. And 
Um, and that's interesting because you, you, then you have to think about your walk. You have to think about how does a president walk? How does a president stand? How does he use his hands? Um, presidents are quite pres I'm doing it right now. Yeah, exactly I'm already so. <laughs> doing the very presidential thing that politicians do with their hands. It's, and it's very lit like it's wonderful. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and so you think about where the character is in terms of where I start uh, physically in terms of how they walk because walking is important uh, how, how they stand and, and basically what they do with their hands and once, once you've got that once you've got the look the rest of it kind of falls into place and you may have to think about an accent like the president for example I had to think about an American accent uh, getting that right and some of the basic errors that people make when they do an American accent and it's, um, it's we have Nicola Bright like we can ask him yeah exactly exactly. <laughs> well my, my unique problem was coming from the west of Scotland was one little word that got me the whole time I did it is the word us because in the okay. West we're the only people that say us with a Z sound oh, yeah. everyone else says us um, and I kept getting caught out it's the important thing for all of us and you kept getting caught out with it so little things like that do do catch you unawares uh, and that's what you have to work on it's these things um, I'm going to ask you two final questions yeah um, first would be if, you, if there's a classic series character that you could take on right. who, would, where would you, who would you like to be? Gosh, that's interesting. I, I, I have to say, I mean, I'd, I suppose a lot of actors dream of playing the Doctor. I, I'd love to play the Master. Uh, I'd love to, you know, funnily enough, I kind of know how I'd play him as well. And it's, um, how would you uh, play the Master? I, I suppose, dare I say, uh, the, the way that Jacoby had him. Okay. Uh, I, I kind of see the Master as a kind of Hannibal Lecter. Um, very, very sinister and dark, but very charming and engaging. Mm. Uh, and the, the best villains are the ones that you're, you, they, they, they really petrify you because you kind of like them. Mm. And despite the fact that, like Hannibal Lecter, we love Hannibal Lecter. Uh, and you can't wait for him to be on screen and you can't wait to hear what he's got to say because he's witty and he's charming and he'll and kill he you. Eat you. Yeah, and he'll eat you. So, um, so yeah, it's. Um, uh, that's, that's the way I think the master should be. Much more engaging and enigmatic and charming. Well, okay, I'll just some food ready for you as well. Um, yeah. What, 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 what did you make of John Sims' portrayal? A great, I mean, a good take on it. I mean, yeah. the, this whole thing of the master just being a psychopath is interesting. Mm. And um, and I liked him doing that. It's not the way I'd play it, but I like the way he did it. But that's the beauty of the concept of Time Lords and Regeneration is you can have a different twist with each regeneration. So it works really well. Right, the final, the final question. You have a Type 40 TARDIS, you can, take, you can make a trip in one return. Where would you like to go? Oh, gosh. That's a really tricky question. Um, I, uh, I, I suppose I'd, I'd, Ancient Rome would be, ancient Rome, uh, would be the, the, the one that I'd go to. That's, that's, uh, that would always be fascinated by what the Romans did for us and, <laughs> and that, that they did an awful lot. And um, very, I'm, always, I'm just very impressed by how... Uh, you know, it's someone could achieve so much and yet uh, cause their own downfall um, oh, in right. such an incredible and dramatic way. So yeah, I'd go there. There's a longer conversation over some whiskey to be had about that. But Charlie, thank you so much for your time. No problem. It's been a pleasure. Thank Perfect, you. Man. Cheers. I have to say thank you very much to Rob and Charlie for being so generous with their time and of course to Erica Egerton and the fans like us group who are so welcoming and made the day go by in a flash. Well, that's pretty much it for this episode, but don't forget to tune in in a couple of days' time when we'll be discussing the latest episode of Doctor Who on TV, The Hungry Earth. Take it easy. That was The Doctor Who Podcast, which you can find at thedoctorwhopodcast.com. If you have any feedback, please send it in to feedback at thedoctorwhopodcast.com. 
You can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, and via the Doctor Who podcast forums. Thank you for listening. Take care. Come on in. What is this pornographic filth that the BBC is spewing out upon us?